This is another episode of Flavor in Your Ear Podcast. A podcast about damn near any and every topic with no filter and zero regard for the easily offended. Everything you say upsets somebody. Please welcome the man behind the madness. The most important person with all due respect. Let's go! Your host and audio flavor maestro. My man. Marquise Edwards. What is up, everybody out there? We are back with another episode of Flavoring Your Ear Podcast. Good afternoon, good morning, or good night, wherever you are in the world. We back with another special guest. Um, as we continue, you know, I'm pretty picky with my guests, so if they have something I feel that we can talk about, you know, they, they got to be down to earth and be able to have a straight conversation. You know, this is this is who I choose. That's why I'm so picky with who I choose. So we have Dr. Andrew Ward here today. And uh, we, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. He has an outstanding story, first of all. And I, I, I want you all to hear it in its most raw and real form. And we're going to just you know, talk about some of the you know self-help, as he would like to say as well, conversations. Because we're, my goal here is to normalize these conversations, right? A lot of people make these like taboo. They don't want to talk about needing help or things like that. But if we have these conversations like this, the more you hear it, the more you know that it's okay. And, you know, we was real people having real conversations. And then he'll further, he's a podcast as well. You can uh, listen to some of his help and, you know, it's uh, different avenues to help. And that's why, that's what I do this for. So without further ado, we'd like to introduce yourself, Dr. Andrew. Hey, what's up? It's Dr. Ward. <laughs> Dr. Ward. I'm sorry. <laughs> Dr. Ward. Doc, Dr. Ward, it's whatever. I don't, I don't get too worried about it. <laughs> So uh, just tell just tell us a little bit. I mean, I, I read your story, and like I said, I'm I'm quite sure no one can tell your story better than you. Just yeah. tell us tell, tell us about yourself a little bit, about your background a little bit, and then we'll just go from there. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I grew up in Indianapolis uh, in a trailer park. My mom had me when she was 16. Um, ended up sort of over the years, kind of realizing that's not where I wanted to be. Eventually, found my way into college where I studied uh, philosophy and religion, and then. Uh, as I got close to graduating, I realized that philosophy and religion probably wasn't going to pay very many bills. So switched to psychology and then came out to Pittsburgh, went to Duquesne, got a Ph.D., went and worked for the federal government for about 12 years in a federal prison. At the same time, my wife and I created a private practice um, here in Pittsburgh. We have about 350, 400 appointments a week, um, about 35 people who work for us. Um, so that's where we're at. And so about two or three years ago, I left the federal government and just came to my practice full time. Wow. So there's a, a major demand for your services. I would, uh, oh, man, we have a wait list a mile long. I have, I have a wait list. I think I think mine's over a year right now. Well, I guess it's good that people are going out and getting assistance. So I guess that's a good thing. Yeah, so, yeah. I think the pandemic made things a little bit worse for people, you know, like maybe somebody was already a little mm. depressed and then the pandemic mm. happened and they got real depressed or, mm. you know, they're a real social person. They couldn't be social. And so that created anxiety and stuff like that. I don't think it was, I mean, we had a huge wait list beforehand, but we definitely saw it bounce a up spike. after that. Mm. A spike. Hmm. That's interesting that you um, brought the pandemic into it because I, I have previous I guess, and we were talking about the effects of the pandemic and how it just fucked everything up. And a lot of things, a lot of people took it as, you know, they said fucked up the jobs the most, but I was like, people, I think, were the biggest thing that, that got affected, you know, especially, you know, kids and even adults that are like married couples that have been living together for a long time and now you know, they're used to this high and by or specific moments that they're together. Now they're like yeah. in the house 24 7. 
And it was oh, like yeah. some people, some people were like, oh no, this is not what I signed up for. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so uh, well, I've even had I've even had kids who uh, started having problems because they weren't used to seeing their parents so much, and then suddenly their parents are home all the time, and parents are yelling at them all day instead of just at night, so they start getting depressed because they feel bad, you know. So that's 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 pretty wild. But before we go into what you're doing now, um, you you say you worked in the penitentiary, right? How was that experience? Well, as a federal prison, it was a uh, low security. I, it was all right. I went, started doing. Um, intakes just general psychology and then about a year in i switched in i started running a drug treatment program in the prison and then a couple years after that they asked me and i created a, a sex offender treatment program in the prison so very different experiences for sure among the three um right. the uh, drug treatment tended to be more sort of what you would think you're kind of thuggy guys drug dealer guys drug user guys uh sex offender tended to be more basement dweller guys weird guys you know Guys are very socially awkward. It was just very different, for sure. But saw lots of things, heard lots of things, for sure. <laughs> oh, man. I just wonder, I mean, uh, you seeing all of that, how does that even, does it affect you at all? Like, how do you, like, I, I know some people speak about these things candidly. I mean, I know you're just, you're, you're seasoned, right? But me here now, I'm like, man, that's a lot to see. Does it ever like in the, in the early on to affect you? Yeah, or? well, you want to hear something funny. When I very first started working in the prison for the very first time, like um, maybe for about two weeks after I started having weird dreams about being trapped in places, about being locked in and not being able to get out, right? And I think that was sort of like processing being in this new environment. Like, I think I was dreaming about sort of like processing that I couldn't get out of prison. <clears throat> when I switched to the sex offender program, I started having two or three weeks of really weird dreams. Um, again, not of me doing anything sexual, but I have a son who's, at the time he was about four. Um, and it would be things like him going into a locker room and I can't get there and I see somebody going behind him or I'm sitting at the pool and I see this guy looking at him in a weird sort of way and like it ends up causing a problem. But it was all stuff like that because, you know, look, I think most people can understand why somebody sells drugs, right? Like that's, I need money. Here's a place to make it. Bang, bang. It's easy. Right. I don't think any, I think a, a lot of people have a hard time understanding why somebody would look at a kid and think anything other than, Hey, that's a kid. Right. And so I think it requires your brain to like process what it is you've actually heard and sort of un- try to understand where it comes from. Right. And so it was a bit of adjustment, I think, as far as that, for sure. Um, and then you start reading people's files and you start hearing some of the stuff from their history. And it's just wild shit, man. Like, just wild shit. Like, uh, I can tell you about there's this dude. He was um, he was younger. He kind of looked like a little young Jerron Jeremy sort of dude, kind of fat and pudgy, long hair. Um, but I was go through this re- questionnaire and you're asking them, you know, how many people you think you've slept with, this sort of thing. And some of these guys, like I said, they're basement dwellers. So the instrument's like zero. I've never slept with anybody. And they're like 50 years old, right? This dude's like, like how many people you slept with? He's like, uh, 1200, something like that. And I was like, like, hold up, dude. And he's like, no, no, for real. And so I'm like, man, you gotta do some math because you're a young dude. And that seems like a lot of ass to be getting like in a short period of time. He's like, think about it, man. He's like, I worked in a strip club. He's like, I'd wake up in the morning. He's like, I'd go see a hooker on my way to work. He's like, and then I'd try to hook up with a stripper after work. And then I'd go home and sleep with my girlfriend if she wanted to sleep with me. He's like, so I'm going to be having sex two or three times a day. I'm like, holy shit, dude. So I'm like, well, how'd you end up in this place, right? So I start looking at his file and coming to find out his dad's a total pervert who was like looking at pornography when he was like a little kid. Like some people grow up like watching basketball with their dad. This kid grew up watching porn with his dad. Like 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. In fact, when he got when he got when the guy who I was talking to got in trouble for uh, pornography, his, he called his dad and said, "I need you to come to the house. I'm in trouble with the police." Dad's cruising to the house. He sees one of the cops at the end of the road, and he's like, "Hey, what's going on down there?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, I'm not sure, but they're taking computers out, so that's probably almost always child pornography, right?" The dad does a 180 and goes back to his own house and destroys his computer. Doesn't go to help his son. Goes and destroys his computer because apparently he has all kinds of shit on his stuff too. Wow. Apple and tree, right? Once you read somebody's file, how do you look at them the same afterwards? Like when you see some something like that, like is it hard to keep the poker poker face on? I know it's a part of the job, but like when you see it, like I mean, it's like me reading some bio on you, and then it's like all this crazy stuff, and I'm talking to you right now. Like I don't know how how do you control it? Like when you when you well, I don't know. I think them being in prison probably already puts them in a very negative light in my eye. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not mm-hmm. like these are pillars of community. And then I heard something terrible about them. These are like mm-hmm. shit bags who were in prison for looking at child pornography. And then I heard something bad about them. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So it's, yeah. it didn't change the way I viewed them. Um, you know, my approach was always kind of, you know, look, I don't understand why somebody does would do something like that, but I understand how people end up in situations where they fuck up their life. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like I can relate to that. I can't relate to what they did, but I can relate to, all of us make mistakes, all of us fuck up. Like I can get that part. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of what I kind of tried to sort of put it in my head is like, you know what, like let's just focus on the problem, not the person behind it. Cause. Was it, was a lot of that from just your personal upbringing, how you, how you grew up and, you know, growing up rough like that. And, and was that, is that more so your understanding of, of how things work and how people make a fuck up decision sometimes? I think probably from, probably from personal experience, right. Realizing that like, you know, sometimes you have the best intentions and you look back and it was a total shit show, you know, or you thought you were doing the right thing. You know, I generally come from the position that most people try to do what they think is right. They don't always do it, but I think most people try to do what they think is right. And then it's sort of after the fact, we look back and go, yeah, that was kind of a fucked up way to think, or I don't know why I thought that was okay. But usually in the moment, I think there are very few people who say like, this is right, this is wrong, and I'm going to do the wrong thing. I, I, I just don't run into it that much, you know? Mm-hmm. So I can relate to the fact that people are just trying to do their best, but life's a fucking weird thing, man. It definitely is. And I think it's okay. It's okay for people to make mistakes as long as it's not like a catastrophic ass mistake, you know, like, you know, like, like a deadly mistake. Those mistakes are a little bit less forgiving, but you know, we make people make mistakes and that's why I I like hearing it from other people because I say that sometimes on the show as well. Right. So I used to tell a son who's 21. I used to tell him, you know, you're going to make mistakes as a teenager. That's what people do, right? The trick is, is not to keep making the same mistake again and again, right? Mm-hmm. And try not to make a mistake that you can't take back, right? Knocking yeah. up a girl, killing somebody, like you can't take those things back. And so mm-hmm. try not to do the same thing over and over and try not to do something you can't fix because you're only 18, you know, like as things get real crazy real quick. That was a knowledge bomb right there for all of you out there, all of you young cats listening out there. That's a knowledge bomb right there. Don't do things you can't take back. That's 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 fire. <laughs> that's, a, that's a fire statement. Um, so, Andrew, funniest thing, so, any, funniest thing mm-hmm. was when I was working with the sex offenders, it was actually easier to work with them than it was the drug offenders, believe it or not, as far yeah. as because the, uh, with the drug people, we had to spend a lot of time trying to get them to understand why what they were doing was wrong. Hmm. Right. So like, well, what do you mean? I was only selling to adults. Adults have their own money. They make their own choices. I was just the vendor. Like, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. Right. And so we have to spend a lot of time sort of 
you know, helping them recognize that not working a job and just selling drugs for 30 years isn't a good plan. Like, it's not the one we want, right? These dudes, these uh, sex offender dudes, man, by the time they came in, they were so broken down. Like, there was no, like, there was no what I did was right. That's, like, you know, I never heard that. Um, you know I mean? Like, it was so, we could get right into why they did what they did because they, there was no hiding. They were there. You know what I mean? They were on Front Street, so. Hmm. Well, that's, I guess that's, some silver lining in the story. I don't know if it's like much, but uh, uh, the problem is all these guys are leaving. That's the I used to talk to officers about this all the time. The funny thing, most of the officers in the prison are former officers, actually, or are former military, almost all, um, because you get um, preference points for being a veteran, right, in federal jobs. So a lot of the officers are um, former military guys. Um, I used to say all the time stuff like, well, you know. Uh, you know, I got a 20 cent solution for these problems, doc. And they like point a gun at me or, you know, point a finger like, like we're just like, you know, I can, I can finish your group really easily. Like, like that sort of thing. And I used to tell them like, that's like good on paper. That sounds funny to your like buddies when you're in the bar. But the truth is these dudes are coming home. And so like, we can pretend that like they're not in like, or we can sort of say, you know what, like if they're coming home, we damn well better make sure they're different than when they came in because we don't need to deal with this shit again, you know? So how much how much of your experience uh, led you to do what you're doing now outside of, you know, you said, you know, that camp? Was that was that a little bit of your motivation to go into the psychological field that you that you're in now? Just, yeah, just I think seeing, so. Yeah, seeing, I think seeing, so. I think uh, my mom's been married um, six or seven times. Um, I'd have to count. And so I think that sort of seeing that and going through that and, uh, you know, one thing, that, the reason why I put out this podcast is, you know, there's a saying, you know, life's not easy, but it's simple, right? Meaning if you don't want to go to jail, don't break the law. That shit's real simple, mm-hmm. right? It might not be easy to do that if you're drunk and you want to drive your car home. But if you want to stay out of jail, don't break the law. It's real easy, real mm-hmm. simple, right? And so I think part of it for me was starting to recognize that these life lessons that we have to learn actually aren't that deep. They're not that heavy. Do you know what I mean? But people destroy their lives because of very, very simple things. You know, like mm-hmm. me personally, you know, I had no, I didn't give a shit for authority. I didn't didn't care about authority at all. And it caused all sorts of major problems, right? And so one of life's lessons is, you know, you have to respect authority, whoever's in authority, right? Your boss, your police officer, the teacher, right? And if you don't learn that, you're going to keep banging your head against the wall until you figure it out, right? And so part of it for me was putting this out and trying to sort of give people the shortcut lessons that I've learned. You know, look, the prison I was at had 2,000 people in it. Um... You know, by practice now, we see tons of people. So, I mean, I have a a long history of dealing with people, right? And so one thing I know inside and out is people. And so, you know, sort of the mistakes people make are very, very similar across the board. It's not, you know, I don't, I don't deal with a hundred different things. I deal with 10 different things that are said 10 different ways. You know what I mean? But it's pretty much the same sort of insecurity, anxiety, you know, it's like those sort of things. Mm. And those are mostly adults, mostly adults right? Uh, I, I do a little bit of both, but yeah, mostly adults for me. Um, mm. I actually did my, most of my early training was in child and teenagers, believe it or not. And then prison was actually my first sort of full-time adult job. Mm. Um, and so now I pretty much see adults, but I'll take on, I take the kids that are a little more difficult. Like I said, we have 30 people in our practice. And so if somebody's working with a kid and they're not doing well, they'll send them to me or whatever. So, mm. so, so what are, what are some things that... I would say that you've learned up to this point 
of maybe some tips that people can do to improve their lives based on all your experiences and all the things you've heard and seen. If someone was listening right now and they said, Hey, uh, Dr. Ward, yeah. can you, can you give me a few tips just to improve my life? What, what would you say? Check your insecurities and don't be governed by fear. Right. Mm-hmm. And that last one to me is real important because fear will prevent a bad thing from happening, but fear never makes a good thing happen. Right. Mm. So like if I'm afraid of getting in a car accident, staying at home will ensure I don't ever get in a car accident, but it's never <laughs> going to get me laid. You know what right. I mean? It's not going right. to help me right. anything outside of the house. Mm. Right. And then the other thing is, I think at the end of the day, I think when everybody lays down and they sort of take a breath, everybody has things they're insecure about, um, you know, whether it's, you know, my dad doesn't like what I did with my life or that, you know, my brother's more successful than I am or Mm-hmm. whatever it is. I wasn't good in math. And so that means I'm a dumbass, whatever it is. And I think people mm-hmm. over sort of the course of their lifetime, they pick up these little insecurities along the way. And I think they're devastating to people achieving their goals because, you know, one thing I think that to me, you know, one thing I sort of talk about on my podcast is radical self-acceptance. The idea that I am me good, bad, and indifferent. It's all the same package. Right. And the same stuff that may, you know, that's bad sometimes might be good sometimes. And, you know, being an asshole in certain situations is good. Right. Yeah, Other yeah. situations it's bad. And so being able to know, you know, where's my personality work and where it's not working. And so. Um, that's amazing. Both, both are knowledge terms, but the one about fear more so. Uh, fear will prohibit you from doing a lot of things that maybe you do want to do. Right. And right. Right. Yeah, that's that's something that I think a lot of people, myself included, sometimes I think about how much fear dictates and governs what we want to do. And, you know, you may be afraid to podcast because you may be, you know, but you may be someone who can have a fucking great podcast, but you won't do it because you're afraid of mistakes or perception or what the world may see if you make a blooper or a blunder, you know, something like right, that. Right, so, right, right. Um, that's, 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 that's. I think, that's, I think people spend a lot of time trying to cover up their insecurities and trying to mask their insecurities as opposed to just saying, like I said, this is me, right? Like there are things I love about me. There are things that I'm not as thrilled about, but I don't hate them because it's me. And so I'm not, you know, I don't know if you're a Bible dude. I'm not really a Bible dude, but I know a few things, you know, and there's a uh, saying in the Bible, man can't serve two masters, right? You can't love and hate yourself at the same time. It's impossible. Right. And so to me, I love certain parts of myself and there are other parts that I'm working on, but I don't hate anything about myself. That's a great outlook because we, we all have short times, right? And as so long as you're making the strides to, you know, make your imperfections better, that's that's all you can ask for. But you shouldn't hate yourself. You have absolutely agree. Couldn't say it better. So into the into the fix, into the fix yeah. your podcast. How'd you come up with the name? What was what was, what was the name process? I'll tell you. I was talking to this couple one time, and um, it's actually a funny. I'll, this is a good one. The guy comes in. Usually, when couples come in, I'll say, "Hey, what's uh." what brings you guys here? Why are you guys here? And there's usually this weird, awkward pause where they kind of look at each other. Nobody wants to be the first one to sort of dime out the other person. And so it's, that's sort of how it goes, right? <laughs> These people come in, they're like in their mid fifties. So I'm like, what brings you in here? And the husband doesn't even let me finish the sentence before he's like, she's a bitch. And then he just goes off and he's just like, basically like, she's terrible. She's this, she's that, she's this for basically 40 minutes. And I could barely get a word in by, mm. I'd be like, wait a second, wait. And he just wouldn't stop. Next session, he comes in and basically just picked up where he left off and just started ripping into her. The funniest thing is she didn't even care. 
she didn't care one single bit. It was like she had heard that shit so many times that she just didn't even blink. Right. So he goes through a whole nother session of that stuff. Comes in the third session and he gets ready to start again. And I stop him. I say, wait, man, look, you pre- presented a pretty compelling case for why your wife's a bitch. Right. My guess is if I ask her, she can probably present a pretty compelling case for why you're not so great, too. And those are going to be really long lists on both sides. Choice for you is do you want to spend your time talking about the problem or do you want to spend your time talking about the fix? So into the fix. Cut all the bullshit. Just get right to the answer. Oh, I like it. I like it. The, 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 the backstory was, was, was golden, too, about how you came up with that. That's pretty good. So into, into the fix, right? And so what what experience would a listener get if they uh, tune into, into the fix that you feel was valuable to them? What I try to do on uh, every Monday, I release a new uh, episode. And what I try to do is give somebody uh, 10 minutes or less of something to think about that week. So uh, last week, it was about... Um, forgiving your partner if you're in a relationship and how do you actually do that and why people don't do that and it's real you know like i said it's 10 minutes so it's gonna be really quick it's gonna be you know boom 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 but the idea is not necessarily if somebody gets all the answers they want but they start thinking about the things in their life because i think a lot of people just sort of sleepwalk through life um you know and then they're surprised where they end up in a place where they didn't want to be you know as opposed to thinking where do i want to be and working backwards most people don't do that most people just sort of go with the flow and hope it works out and so, you know, I want people to be aware of their life, be aware of the mistakes you're making. You know, if, you know, when you say something to your wife and it's hurtful, that doesn't mean anything to you that you start recognizing why it would be hurtful. You start seeing things just a little bit different. You know, one of the things that, you know, you look at the world sort of around us and it's a very angry place right now. People are much more angry than they used to be, much more nasty than they used to be, just kind of shitty in general. Um, you know, and part of that to me is, you know, it's people being unhappy with themselves and it's sort of spilling and projecting all over the place. And so one of the things when I talk about self-acceptance or compassion, you know, to me, whether you like it or not, you're stuck with you. So you can spend your time trying to fight who you are, or you can spend your time embracing and trying to improve who you are. And so what I try to do is give somebody 10 minutes every week where they can make a little improvement if they're, if that's where they're at. I think that's, I think that's golden. That's actually something that, um, well, first off, my research said that people have shorter attention spans, so ten minutes probably is perfect for a lot of people because yeah, yeah. you know they just even even my podcast I break it up into you know sizable parts for people to be able to drive into work or you know on a treadmill or something like that, and that's when that you know the words register. But um, the message that you're given, I think is I think is golden. Um, and I I don't, know, I don't want to make it too deep, right? But um, you know just psychological stability, mental stability and things like that. A lot of times we shrug it off, right? We'd be going through fucked up lives, problems and all this stuff and we just normalize it because we hold it in or, you know, we, we kind of suppress you know, right, the shit right. we deal with, right? And then you hear a message like something on your podcast and then you just overwhelmed with all these thoughts and emotions because you're thinking, well, yeah, you know, this applies to me. You know, so uh, actually I think you providing tools to help people get out of that space, you know, which I think is important. Yeah. And where I really try to say is sort of like the, what do you actually do? So every episode ends with, so how do you actually apply this in your life? How do you actually, if you're trying to forgive your spouse, how do you actually do that? And so Mm. identify this, do this, do this. But so, you know, because one of the things, like I said before, I've worked with a lot of people and, you know, a lot of the mistakes people make aren't that deep. They're really not that heavy, you know, as far as like, 
you know, a guy who just, uh, you know, doesn't regard his wife's feelings. That's actually fairly easy to fix once he's aware of the problem. Right. Mm-hmm. It's that people spend a lot of time trying to avoid problems. And so we can sort of just sort of cut it down, make it normal and just say, you know what, like, yeah, you're an asshole to your wife, just like I am. And so here's how you can be less of an asshole and try it. You know what I mean? If you don't, if it doesn't work, don't DM me because I don't care. But like, <laughs> you know. no, no, yeah, it's, that's that's solid though. I, mess, uh, I feel like you're for perfect fit for the episode here because uh, I mean, I, I'm about the traditional way of helping people being direct. You know, uh, yeah, talking yeah. about the things that people aren't comfortable talking about because I don't know if you know this or not, uh, Doctor War, but uh, a lot of times TV influences how people think their lives should go. Not oh, just yeah. television, just even like Instagram, Snapchat, Twitter, yeah. all that. So people really, you know, in their minds have created how their minds should go and how their experience should go and how they should deal with problems based on how someone's publicizing, you know, yeah. how they deal with their problems. We don't know any of the crap that goes on when they cut the camera off, you know, what right. they deal with or what they're doing because they play secretive with that. So that's why I do this podcast, right? I'd reach out to people or, you know, find people who have a message where I feel is important. It doesn't get a lot, enough spotlight, you know, to whatever audience. If you can reach one person, I'm, yeah. I'm, 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 I'm cool with that, right? Because I feel like it's valuable information because Kanye's breakdown is not the, um, it shouldn't be the, the headlines every single time on him stalking right. Kim Kardashian. That's not the, that's not life for everybody, right? And, Right. I really feel like you've that's you, you bring some really valuable content to to the podcast world, and it's always good to. Speak yeah, it's funny. I actually did an episode on pornography and mm-hmm. uh, talking about the messages people take from pornography because I I don't have a one thing you understand about me I don't make judgment about much of anything I think that you know uh, as far as I'm concerned you have every right to destroy your life if you want to um, I don't have to agree with it but it's your life and it's not mine to live. Right. And so if you came and asked me, what should I do? I won't tell you that because it's not my life. I don't have to walk in your shoes if I give you bad advice. Do you know what I mean? And so, but you know, there are messages that come out of pornography. Right. And so to me, it's not that, you know, it probably exploits women. I don't know. Who cares? I mean, honestly, like, but beyond that, like there are certain messages I think get drilled into dudes heads and like, you know, that a man should always be ready for sex. You know, that a man has to please a woman. And if you don't, something's wrong with you as a man. Right. And so those sort of things that kind of, you know, because I read somewhere the average age that men start looking at pornography is around 12 or 13. So you think about from 13 to 18, those are pretty, pretty uh, important years. And if you're digesting pornography and jerking off like a jackrabbit, you know, you're getting all kinds of messages that aren't probably real messages, you know, and the problem is, how do you really address those? Even as a parent, how do you address those? Right. I mean, like I can tell my son, but like, I don't know what's getting planted in his brain. I don't know if he thinks anal sex is normal. Do you know what I mean? And like, I'm not trying to get too deep in that. So. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I agree with your, what your stance on that is having kids is even harder because it's so much influence. Right. And then it's what your parents tell you. Right. And then they, yeah, yeah. you know, so you, as a parent, you want to tell them the shit before, they go Google something or go on Reddit or something oh, yeah. like that, right? And it's such a, I still don't, I mean, sometimes I'm just laying it all out there in the most vanilla way possible <laughs> just so you can know, because I don't want you searching some website where someone's reprogramming you to what you should think. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a difficult times. I don't know. It's the dad in me coming out. I don't know, man. I just, it's, yeah, one yeah. Of those, it's, it's one of those, those, those things where what's the gauge of how much you should tell them and what, 
point in their life, right? Yeah. Well, you know, what's funny is after I put that episode, I had a couple of people hit me up and basically say they disagreed, um, like from a moral perspective, which is whatever. Um, but one of the what was funny was what one of the people said is they said that it sounds like you're normalizing what people do. I'm like, yeah, that's exactly what I'm doing. Like because most kids are going to look at pornography at some point in their life. I don't care if they're Christian. I don't care if they're Muslim. I don't care if they're atheists. I don't care if they're hippies. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, most people are curious about sex. So any chance there is to look at it, they're going to do it, right? And so I think part of it to me is being willing to just say, you know what? We don't have to run from these things because they're just, they are, right? Pornography by itself to me is just a film, right? I mean, it's just a television program. It's by itself. It's really nothing. It's sort of what the emphasis I put onto it, mm-hmm. you know? And so, you know, there's a, a joke we used to say in the prison, you know, how did that porn end? I don't know. I've never seen the end of a porn, right? Because <laughs> most people go on, they finish what they do and they get the hell out. Right. And so <laughs> that's true to me at the point, things become problematic, then it's different. But up until then, you know, to me, it's a, uh, we can sort of avoid the elephant in the room or we can just sort of address it and hope we like put it in a different context because it's going to be in the room whether you address it or not. Do you know what I mean? Same with smoking weed and talk, you know, I talked to my older kid about smoking weed. To me, you can sort of put your hand over your ears and pretend you don't know what's going on or you can say, look, I know you're going to have questions. Come talk to me. Don't go ask your dumbass friends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, I, I agree. Uh, I don't, is it, maybe it's like an older school thing that we don't talk about those things because I mean, like, like my mom for, for for instance like certain topics I even though I'm a over 30 year old man I just can't talk to her about because it's still like this yeah yeah you know it's just like I, and you of course you respect your mom and whatnot but like I can't have any remotely close adult conversations with her about anything you know it's always yeah, yeah. you know and, and I think that's just more so I don't know if that's healthy at times. Not not for me and mom, not me and my mom. I'm saying there's people that can't because they're gonna go be they're gonna go inquire or go look for answers somewhere else. Because it's the, it's the yeah. age of it's the age of information, right? Yeah. So for people for people, I mean, I, I agree with your take. Um, it is an elephant in the room, and why not address it? Why move around it? Because um, I had some. This is a funny story that I had some. I had a some religious friends, right, and. <laughs> they were never allowed to watch anything, anybody kissing or anything like that on television. And they got, they were pregnant and doing shit before we, before oh, yeah. everybody else. Right. All of us who got to watch kissing and got to watch sex on TV. Not to say, I mean, like we badass little kids, you know, they say cover your eyes and we, you know, we kind of peeking, yeah, and, you yeah. know, stuff like that. But the ones who never looked at it, they never let them go out to the parties or, you know, social, uh, co ed, you know, uh, a type of uh, environment. They still were curious, and that's what I was saying. Yeah, like yeah. they still were curious, and they didn't get it from their parents. So now you got someone else's kid or someone else's parent influencing them to do things like that. Yeah, Which, yeah. That's, that's crazy. You said that. Um, so another question for you: Out of all your episodes, right? Uh, which which is your favorite that you that you've done thus far that that you can think of? I know you've probably done a few. This kind of put you in the spot with that one. No, no, I've done about uh, fifteen or sixteen. I think the pornography one. I like that one. That was a pretty pretty good one. Um, because and the reason why is because, you know, after you sit with dudes like that for so many years, I mean, you really sort of really get a feel, just not like a sort of how they view sex, but just sort of sex in general and across the board. And, and you know, most of those guys are there because, you know, not because they started looking at child pornography, but because they started looking at pornography. And then eventually they sort of found their way over to that. Right. And so 
to me sort of I think there are a lot of men who make mistakes because they don't know any better. Because if you really, you know, if you kind of look at pornography and you really buy what you're seeing, you're going to be a really shitty husband, like straight up. If you just think your wife's just there to give you blowjobs and cook dinner, like look out because it's going to be on. You know what I mean? And so I like that episode because I think it's very simple things that men can do and change the way they interact with their wives almost instantly. Because I think it's just stuff you just don't realize you think. You know, like I said, that, you know, that a woman should, you know, you should always be ready to have sex. Like, it's sort of a given. But, you know, what if I'm sick? What if I don't feel like having sex? I mean, I'm less of a man. No, just right. But these guys read into all sorts of stuff. You know, Um, I mean, I got people come to my private practice now. I mean, this guy's 25 years old. He won't even talk to a girl. He's like scared to death of talking to women. And I don't get that shit at all because I'm like, dude, I'll I'll go out with you. I guarantee I'll talk to a woman who's 25. I don't care. Like, what are you talking about? Right. Mm -hmm. But it's all this like it's all these sort of unspoken messages that he thinks he's supposed to adhere to, that he's supposed to be this and supposed to be that and be able to do this and be able to do that. And it's just bullshit. And it just, but it fucks people up. Yeah. That's, that's, that's the real stuff. I'm there. And that's, I think a lot of, a lot more people are, are, are like that than, than aren't like that. You know, uh, they just don't admit it. Right. They just don't admit yeah, it. Well, I mean, let me ask you, man, you know, I've, there are some things that I uh, ask lots of people that, you know, I've never heard anybody say I should have gotten married sooner. I've never heard anybody say I should have had kids sooner. I've never heard either one of those two things. Me either. Uh, <laughs> not even close, right? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Yeah, that's that's interesting. That's some that's some heavy stuff, though. I mean, it's 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 actually pretty relatable, especially to me. I'm quite sure anybody listening can relate to it if they admit whether they admit it or not, yeah. right? Um, but uh, you know, the other I, thing too is if I I'm sorry if I ask people why they're married, I'll hardly ever get an answer to that. Yeah, you'd be surprised. I mean, I'm talking couples who are 24 up to 64. And I say, like, why do you think you guys got married? I don't know if I've ever gotten a good answer. Never once. Granted, my like population's a little skewed because they're coming to therapy. So they're probably having some problems anyways. Mm-hmm. But dudes always say dumb shit like sex. She was fun. She could party. It's always shit like that. It's never... It's never, I thought, you know, I wanted a partner. It's never that. Women will say it sometimes, but even they don't usually say it. They usually say something like, I want a kids or whatever. But um, yeah, I've, I don't know if I've ever heard anybody say, actually have a, be able to understand why they got married. And so part of it to me is if you don't know why you're doing something, you're probably not going to do it right. Right. You know, mm. if I don't know why I'm married, then I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. And so, mm. so to me, I'm starting to dissect some of these messages and start saying, no, you know, it's not about just, coming in and laying pipe. It's about like talking to your wife for a few minutes first, <laughs> then you can do what you're going to do. You know, it's not just about this no. sort of stuff. Or, or it won't last. Right. And you know. the, the weird thing is there's this dude who came in, he, was, uh, he got in trouble. I forget what he got in trouble for. He, um, this is actually my private practice here. Um, it was something related to sex. If he was talking in chat rooms or some shit like that, he was doing something. Uh, and then his wife and it like ended up costing him like 10 grand. He got in trouble and like police, all sorts of crew. Cause I think he was like, doing it at work. There was some shit about it, but, um, so his wife gets pissed, you know, she finds out she's pissed. Like we got to pay 10 grand and fines and all this sort of stuff. Besides the fact you were like doing this like shady shit on the side, like talking to women on webcams and shit. And like, she didn't have anything for him. She didn't want to have sex with him. She didn't want to talk to him, touch him, anything. I don't really blame her, but like, that's sort of where they are at. Right. So I told him, I said, you want to start having sex with your wife again? He said, yeah. I said, stop, stop pressuring her for sex. I said, don't mention sex anymore. 
I said, focus on everything but sex and the sex will come. And he did. And it did. Right. Because, you know, to me, that uh, sex isn't a standalone activity. And, and it, well, it can be, you know, if we're swinging, you know, if we're single and mingle, I, that's fine. I don't have no problem with that. But in a relationship, it's different, you know. Mm-hmm. That's man, you got some good knowledge. I, I can't lie to you. That's some real. That's some real shit. You, that's some real shit you're talking there, man. Like I, 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 I got bombs, baby. I, I mean, I hope we're not scaring everybody off, off of marriage, but I mean, a lot of people don't understand. Um, like you said, what why they're getting, why they're doing something, and they don't value it until either it's gone or until they fumbled the bet, fumbled the ball too much where they can't recover anymore. Uh, but I do commend those out there who are trying to actively, you know, deal with problems in their marriage first before, you know, because it's not easy. It's it's, it's a task, but you, you do have to understand what why you're doing it and what, what, what you want out of it. Right. I mean, right, right. Yeah. That's another thing I talk about on my podcast too, is relationships and how to, you know, there's just a lot of shit that's kind of unspoken. I mean, you think of like a, a reality show, the best reality show in the world, we take two people and make them live together. I mean, you're just going to, it's just, you know I mean? You have, you have things you believe growing up. I had things I believe growing up and now we're jamming things together and trying to make things work. There's just like, it's like a recipe for misunderstandings and hurt feelings and bullshit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. I think most, you know, the other one thing is I don't think anybody genuinely, I don't think anybody gets married lightly. I don't think anybody takes it lightly. I don't think anybody gets married with like, well, if it doesn't work out, we'll just get divorced. I don't think people actually think that. I think they really want to make it work and that's why they're trying to do it. And so the question is, if you really want to make it work, why isn't it working? Right. And so to me, it's all these little things, these very little pieces. And in all honesty, there are very little things. I mean, the very minor, this guy I was telling you about, there were very minor changes he made and suddenly his relationship with his wife opened up into a different place. You know, a very minor change, like asking her how work was rather than not, you know, or, you know, offering to do something instead of, you know, making her do it herself, whatever, just very little things. And so, you know, I think with life, it's a lot of these little things that cause the problems. You know I mean? It's usually most marriages don't, die because of a major blow up. Some do like you get caught cheating. Some like most marriages die a death of a thousand cuts. You know, it's like one infraction and then two infractions and then three infractions and then fuck you. You know what I mean? Cause it's just too much now and I'm sick of your shit and on and on and on we go. That's crazy, man. That's, 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 do you have any other uh, ways to contact you if anyone wants to you know, hear you, uh, your services, anything like that? Yeah, I'm like on that? Instagram, Facebook, the show, at into Fix. Okay. So, and we also, I also have all that in the show notes as well for you all to look him up. So go follow him. I mean, as y'all can see, he has, he has pretty, I think the conversation, I like the conversation. It's live, it's real, it's direct. So most podcasters, if they have a good conversation with somebody else's show, their show is pretty good too. Just so, I know that from experience, just so you, just so you all know. Yeah. So I'm giving them, I'm giving him a stamp of endorsement here today from Flavor Year podcast that uh, he's pretty cool and uh, relatable. That's the biggest thing. I, I think I think that's the biggest thing. I got it. You're relatable. You're not speaking on some utopia like uh, scenarios or anything like that. You're talking about stuff that hits straight to the heart, you know, looking right in the eyes, and that we all deal with, whether people admit it or not. Right. So, right. Um, thank you for your time. I appreciate you uh, making yourself available. 
he's in Pittsburgh. I'm in Italy. But we make these things happen. That's why I hope you all enjoy these conversations for people's time. And these are experts, in my opinion, on how to deal with certain things that we get to them, to everyone. Everyone can hear it. Everyone needs help and everyone getting help in some way. So we thank you all for listening. Uh, wherever you are in the world, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. This is Flavin' Your Ear Podcast. Our special guest today, Dr. Andrew Ward. Into the fix. We will catch you all on the next one. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another episode. Please leave an honest review, subscribe, and share. Listen to us on all platforms. Follow us and ask questions on Twitter at Marquis Podcast Mailbag. Follow us on IG at Flavor In Your Ear Podcast. And like our Facebook page, Flavor In Your Ear Podcast. For exclusive content, info, special offers, and free entry into our monthly giveaways, send your email address to flavorinyourear247 at gmail.com to join our email list. If you're anxious, we have a snippet following our next episode's topic. Peace and love.